0: Good morning. Oh, that's all kinds of loud. (laughs) Okay, can everybody hear me? Yes. All right. We are in week three of a sermon series called I've Done That. And so far you've heard from Pastor Seth and Pastor Ty about different things that they've done and how those have impacted their lives and their ministry journeys. And I'm super excited that I'm here and I'm able to share a little bit of my heart with you guys this morning as well. We are also four weeks into a brand new year. January is one of my favorite months of the year, not because I like the cold. I do not like the cold. (laughs) But (laughs) I do like January because it's fresh and it's new, and there's a sense of hope and excitement for the new year to come. And it's during this time that many of us make New Year's resolutions or goals of some sort that we hope to achieve throughout the year. Um, Oftentimes, these are based on shortcomings or regrets that we have from the previous year or years. And, um, I mean, we all have those, right? And this isn't a bad thing, but the hope that we have for today and every day is that God is making all things new all of the time. And God doesn't wait for a new year to start or a new season of life. He'll make everything new for you right now. This is any day for anyone who chooses to seek him and follow him. Around 2,000 years ago, he sent his son down here to earth to usher in a new era of life for us. It is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are able to be made whole and made well and have a new life here on earth. And this is not something that we can do for ourselves, but rather that's something that God will do in us and through us if we just choose to follow him, believe and accept, and just let Jesus be the author of the rest of our story. And one thing that I really love about this new journey is that our old story is not for waste. God can still take all of those things and use them for his glory, and to further his kingdom today. The good news brings about the power of God and our past mistakes when we're willing to just own them and say, I've done that. Will you guys pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for everything that you're doing with it. And we pray that you would please just come here and be with us. Just be present with us, Lord. Help us to feel you with us today. And I pray that you would please just guide me, guide my words, steady my voice and calm my racing heart, and help me to just share with your people the message that you've laid on my heart this morning. We thank you for this day, and we pray all things through your son's name. Amen. All right, so it was around this time, January, six years ago, that my husband Christopher and I were expecting our first daughter, little Chloe. And um, she had always measured kind of small. We'd had a few sonograms up until this point, but it wasn't something of concern. But when we went in, in January, and they did a scan, they noticed that she was growing, but not as much as she had been. She started falling behind on the growth scales. So they were a little nervous, and they sent us over to a, um, a specialist's office to have her evaluated, just to make sure that everything was okay. And while we were there, I was diagnosed with IUGR, which is intrauterine Growth Restriction. Basically, what they believed was that Chloe was not growing as quickly inside of me as she would when she came outside of me. So their recommendation was that we not let her go all the way to 40 weeks, but that we induce and get her out early so that she could get a jump on this this growth thing. I can't tell you the fear and anxiety that this caused in me. I was worried for her health and her safety. And I felt like a failure because surely if she wasn't growing in there the way she was supposed to be, that had to be my fault. I wasn't sure what I was doing. But I was sure it was my fault. But we had this midwife who very adamantly and vocally disagreed with this diagnosis. She kept saying, you are small. You are a small person. And your husband has a shorter stature too. So there's nothing wrong with your baby. She's just going to be small because you are small. (laughs) So her recommendation was that we leave that baby alone and just let her make her debut when she was ready. So while we were pondering what we should do about when she should be born, we also had to decide where she should be born. We had two choices. We could pick OSF, which had a great, fantastic, state-of-the-art facility with a fully-equipped NICU in case something were to happen. Or we could pick the smaller, still good, Proctor Hospital, Proctor's still a wonderful hospital, but they don't deliver nearly as many babies as OSF. And actually, I don't even think they deliver babies now. Um, So it was an option, too. So we were left to ponder and try to decide when we wanted to have this little girl and where. But before I tell you what we decided, I want to read our scripture passage for this morning. It's from Jeremiah chapter 2. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 13 from the New Living Translation. Now, this is a book in the Old Testament, and this is when the prophet Jeremiah was speaking to the kingdom of Israel, God's chosen people. Jeremiah says to them, the Lord gave me another message. He said, go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and you followed me, even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. All who harmed his people were declared guilty, and disaster fell upon them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob. All you families of Israel, this is what the Lord says. What? did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me they worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves they did not ask where is the lord who brought us safely from egypt and led us through the barren wilderness a land of desert and pits a land of drought and death where no one even travels and when i brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness? You defile my land and corrupted the possession that I had promised you. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me. The rulers turned against me. The prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will even bring charges against your children's children for years to come. Go west and look at the land of Cyprus, and then go east and look at the land of Cater. Has anyone heard of such a strange thing as this? Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones? And they are not even gods at all. Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for these worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing. And they shriek back in horror and dismay says the lord for my people have done two evil things they have abandoned me the fountain of living water and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all i literally cannot tell you how many times i have been reading the old testament both in the book of Jeremiah and other books about the Israelites as well. And I have wondered, what in the world were they thinking? I mean, who does that? Have you ever known anyone who's wanted something really badly, so they went out in the backyard and built a statue and prayed to the statue for that? No, because that's just silly. That is not something that you do. (laughs) Now, I understand what false idols are, and I'm sure many of us have heard messages or sermons about false idols of some kind. They're everywhere, and they sneak up on you. It can be an athlete or a sport. It could be a movie star or a TV show that you like a little bit too much. It could be a gadget, like a phone or a tablet or a computer or something that you just are a little too attached to. It could be a person, like a significant other, or maybe even a child. It can be so many things. And it's so easy for us, to, if we're not paying attention, for it to just creep in, and next thing you know, it's kind of taken over your life, and and you can't let go of this one thing because it means so very much to you. And it's in those times that we have to stop and surrender that and come back to God. I understand idols. I've had idols. But I've never had a statue. Who does that? (laughs) So another thing that blows my mind about it is that these are the Israelites. These were like God's chosen people. These were the people who were slaves in Egypt. So God came and set them free. They watched God send plagues on the Egyptians. Then they walked out of there free for the first time in 400 years. And then God parted the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry land. Can you imagine walking through the middle of the Illinois River? I mean, that's crazy. And then they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and God miraculously provided them with food and water the entire time. And then they watched, stood and just watched, As the walls crumbled around mighty Jericho and God gave them this beautiful promised land, this absolute paradise. So what happened here? What were these people doing? Let's pause and unpack it a little bit. So during the time of Jeremiah, we're talking about just the southern kingdom of Israel. The southern kingdom of Israel was composed of just the tribe of Judah. There were 12 tribes of Jacob, and 11 of the tribes were the northern kingdom, and just one tribe, Judah, made the southern kingdom. So we're only talking about the tribe of Judah. This was around the um, early 600s to late 500s BC, when Jeremiah was prophesying to the people So this was roughly 800 years after the exodus with Moses. So to put that in perspective for us today, 800 years ago for us right now, the Christian Crusades were happening in Europe and the Middle East. Has everyone heard of the Crusades? Can you tell me anything specific about them? Names, dates, places, things that happened? No, that's just not something that we really talk about today. And it's not that it's not important, because it is. It's just that it happened so very long ago. It was the same thing for the Israelites. It was important, and they did know about it. But back then, they relied mostly on word of mouth to get their information. So stories were written down, but most people didn't have the option of just going to the library and reading about it or pulling up Wikipedia and reading about it. If their grandparents and their grandparents weren't telling them about how Moses raised his staff and parted the Red Sea, then they probably didn't really know much about it. They just knew that they used to be slaves and now they weren't. So it's important and valuable, but they weren't talking about it enough. God had instructed the Israelites to pass these stories down because he wanted them to keep them in the forefront of their minds. But this was just something they hadn't followed through with. They started out strong, but like most people, it just kind of tapered off after a while. God told them this because he wanted them to remember where they'd been. He wanted them to remember what they'd gone through and how he'd helped them this mindset would have helped them stay close to him. But over time, they talked about it less, and then they thought about it less, and then their relationship with God just began to fizzle. And they grew comfortable because they were the mighty tribe of Judah, the last of the 12 tribes standing, and they had... Jerusalem, the capital city, and the heart of their nation, and the temple of King Solomon. Now, around this time again, about a hundred years ago, Assyrian invaders had swept in and had wiped out the entire northern kingdom of Israel. They had wiped out eleven out of the twelve tribes of Jacob. So what was left was just Judah. Then they came down and attacked the city of Jerusalem as well in the southern kingdom. But the southern kingdom wasn't having any of that, so they sent them packing. So they left empty-handed, and the southern kingdom of Israel stood firm. So these people felt invincible. They were the last tribe of Jacob. They had this big, special capital city. They had the house of God in their midst with the Ark of the Covenant. What could happen to them? They'd never been defeated before. So when Jeremiah comes on the scene, talking this doom and gloom and turn from your ways and go back to God, they scoffed at him. They knew what they were doing. They had this. They were fine. They were comfortable and they were confident. They didn't need God for that. And plus, God dwelled with them in the temple. I mean, they had the Ark of the Covenant. Why would God allow someone to come in and destroy where he lived? They were safe, right? Have you ever grown so comfortable with something that you just kind of stopped thinking about it? Have you ever thought to yourself, I've got this only to realize later on that you really didn't? I've done that. So my Grammy was a fantastic baker. She taught me everything that she knows about baking, and I love baking now because of all the time that I spent baking with her. And I made chocolate chip cookies with her so many times that I had the recipe memorized when I was a young child. I knew how to make those cookies, And we made them often. And then I went off to college and there was a couple year period where I wasn't able to bake anything because I lived in the dorms and that's just not really an option. So I just didn't bake for a while. And then when I got my first apartment finally I excitedly went in and decided that I would bake some chocolate chip cookies. Now As an apartment-warming gift, my Grammy had written out this recipe for me, along with a bunch of other recipes, and tucked them in a nice, new, little recipe box. And she had given it to me as a gift, and it was sitting in my kitchen cabinet. But you know what? I made these cookies so many times, I didn't need that recipe. And you guys, I made those cookies, and they smelled fantastic. I was excited about these cookies. I pulled open that oven, and I went to get them out. And I found a runny mess all over the cookie sheet because I didn't put the eggs in. (laughs) I hadn't made cookies in so long that I was out of practice. I was so confident that I had this that I didn't stop and look at the recipe that was right there in my cabinet, so I didn't end up with any cookies. Have you ever noticed that if we don't read our Bibles for a while, the desire to do so starts to dwindle? Or if you miss a few weeks of church in a row, you start to feel like maybe it's not that important that you go anyways? And then next thing you know, your attitude and your mindset, it just starts to shift. And you find yourself thinking and doing things that you know you probably shouldn't and aren't the best for you. And the next thing you know, you're spending more time around people who aren't godly, who don't have the values and morals that you have, And since you're hanging around them and you're not that close to God, you kind of start to wander more towards them and what they're thinking and doing. I've done that too. When I went to college, I had a very strong faith in God, and I was super involved in my church. But when I moved on campus as a freshman, I wasn't allowed to have a car, so I couldn't just drive to church on Sunday mornings. Now, there was a group of students who met every Sunday and had a worship service on campus, but it wasn't really my style. So I missed a few weeks, and then I missed a few more weeks. And then I was like, nah, it would be awkward if I went back at this point. But then, because I wasn't feeling quite as close to God, I started reading my Bible less. And then I read it a little bit less. And then I didn't read it at all. But I believed in God, and that's what matters, right? That's all that matters. As long as you believe in God, it's fine. Except that I started hanging around a bunch of friends who didn't believe in God and who had different morals and values. And next thing I knew, I was thinking and acting, and behaving the way that they were. It's because relationship matters. Maintaining and growing our relationship with God is absolutely essential. If we are not spending time in the scriptures, spending time in our Bibles reading, if we're not spending time thanking God and worshiping him, if we're not spending time going to church so that we can be with other believers and learn more about God, it's just not quite good enough. We need to be doing these things. Because if we're not spending time with God, then we begin to see him, hear him, and feel him less and less. This is the position that the Israelites found themselves in. They were not sharing the stories of what God had done for them over the years. They were not stopping and thinking about all the times that God had come to their rescue. And the less they stopped and remembered these times, the less they felt like they needed him. And they were comfortable where they were and confident. Things were going well, so they just didn't feel like they needed God. And the thing is, while all of this was happening, they were surrounded by a lot of other nations who did not know anything about God. These other nations, their neighbors that they were spending time with, had other gods of their own, gods of all kinds. It it might sound silly to us today that someone would build an Asherah pole or a statue of Baal and make offerings to it and pray to it. But for the Israelites, this was common practice. It was happening around them all the time. And you know what? Just by sheer chance, sometimes some of the things that their neighbors were praying to these statues for actually happened. So the Israelites were feeling distant from God, and they were watching their neighbors pray to a statue for rain for their crops, for more children to fill their homes, for healthy livestock to live off of, and they were seeing their neighbors get all of these things, then of course it probably felt like a viable option for them. And you know, there are times when we want or need something so badly that we will do almost anything to get it. Have you ever prayed for something? Could be provision during a time of need, healing during a time of great illness, protection for yourself or for someone you love, only to feel and hear nothing in response from God? Have you ever prayed for something and felt disheartened because God said no or not yet, and you didn't understand why? Have you ever gotten tired of waiting for God's response so you looked for your own solution? Or perhaps you prayed for something and it didn't happen right away so you got desperate and you just took matters into your own hands. Or perhaps you heard God's answer, but you didn't like it, so you just went and did your own thing. I have done that. I have done all of that. I could stand here and talk to you for days about all the times that I didn't listen, I wasn't patient, and I did my own thing instead of God's thing. So I'm sure you're wondering what we decided to do about Chloe. We prayed about it, and that still, small voice spoke to my heart. And that voice said, your daughter is fine. That voice said, listen to that midwife, the one who said that your baby girl is just small, the one who said, you don't need to induce and have her early, the one who said, just go over to OSF when you go into labor and they'll take care of you. But in my fear, I did none of it. So we decided to go with Proctor Hospital, because at OSF, since they deliver so very many babies, sometimes when they're full, you have to share a room with another new mother. And I didn't want to do that. So we chose to go with the smaller, less equipped hospital that's less familiar with having babies. And then, the week of my induction, the specialist came back and said, you know, your daughter's growing a lot faster than she was before. I think it would be fine if you just left her in there and let her do her thing. But that man had told me that I could have my baby sooner. I was tired of being pregnant. I'm a short person, and that baby was big. And I wanted to hold that baby. So I decided we would do the induction anyways. Plus, it just felt safer if I was the one controlling the situation. So they came and they told me that I had a 95% chance of delivering this baby naturally. And they they expected a completely uneventful labor and delivery and that I should go home in just a couple of days. But of course, that is not what happened, or I wouldn't be telling you about it. (laughs) Apparently, I'm allergic to the drug Pitocin. Yeah, right? (laughs) Pitocin is what makes contractions happen and what makes your labor progress. So you cannot have an induction without the use of Pitocin. So they came in, and they gave me that Pitocin, and they broke that water. No turning back and I had a severe allergic reaction to the Pitocin. And because I had chosen to have Chloe at Tiny Little Proctor, and they had never seen this before, because who's allergic to Pitocin? They didn't know what to do. So I had an emergency C-section. And I was so sick during all of it, that I didn't even get to see or hold my little girl for several hours until they were able to stabilize me and get things back under control. It was nightmarish and traumatic, and it did not need to be. Because if I had listened to God when he said, your baby is fine, leave her be, then none of this would have happened. And because of this decision I made, Two years later, I endured another traumatic labor and delivery and ended up having three more surgeries as a result of that, all stemming back from this one little decision where I wanted to be in control. And of course, Chloe came out fine. I think they'll throw a picture up here in a second. She was healthy, she was happy, and she was not that small. It was, it was funny standing there listening to the doctors as they pulled her out of me go, oh, this baby's not malnourished. She's real chubby. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I felt her in there. So you know what? I can't really judge those Israelites for the things that they did so long ago. I can't stand here and wonder what they were thinking, and why they were trying to be the ones in control. Because you guys, I've done that. It is by embracing and remembering the things of the past that we are able to learn, to grow, and to help others. And the things that happen to us are not just mistakes or bad luck or random unfortunate events. They are ministry opportunities for us and for others. Because I had that C-section, I have intimate knowledge of what families who go through C-sections are thinking and feeling. And I am able to walk with them through that time because it's not easy. Because we had that scare and we thought that there was something wrong with our little girl, I'm more equipped to sit with families who have sick children. Because I have charged ahead and ignored God and taken my own path instead of His, I'm able to walk with other people who've done the same thing and help them realize that it's going to be okay. We just have to make changes for next time. Friends, nothing needs to be wasted. God can use you and your experiences to help someone else. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. In just a minute here, we are going to have a chance to um, participate in communion together. This is a time of remembering Remembering what Jesus did for us. Remembering how much God loves us. And here at Reachway we practice open communion. You do not need to be a member or a regular attender to come and participate. You also don't need to participate in communion if it's not something that you're comfortable doing this morning. No one's going to look at you funny or wonder what's wrong with you. It's totally okay if you just stay in your seat. But while we're doing this, I want you to join me today in remembering a few things. Remember where you've been. Remember what you've experienced. And remember how you've learned and how you've grown. And then I want you to dream with me. Dream about all the ways that you can help someone else by sharing your story. Will you pray with me?